0: Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Remain standing, take your Bibles, and turn to the book of James, chapter 5. Going to pick up in the series that we're in, Living the Supernatural Life of Multiplication. There are notes coming around for you. Here we go. James 5 and verse 13 If you're all there, say, "woo." Woo. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. By the way, it's hard to call on one of those if you don't have a church. And let them pray for him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Verse 17 Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land. For three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Father, thank you. Moving power. Amen. You may be seated. One of the greatest opportunities is upon us, even as never before, for harvest, for souls. In the past eight weeks, we have uh, reached approximately, and I don't mean, I mean very close, and over 2,000 people have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior from this house alone, just from this house. I don't know what, other, what happened in other houses. I don't know. But I'm saying in the past eight weeks, approximately 2,000 people have given their hearts to Jesus, the majority of which has been outside the, outside the church. And I had a local pastor text me uh, to say, would you please help us? I've never had that happen. I've never had another church call. And that's a humbling thing. But, you know, we're gleaners. Is anybody else a gleaner? If anybody got a better idea than what we're doing, then let's use the better idea and reach the lost. You check your pride at the door. Let's reach the lost. Let's disciple people. Yet at the same time, I hold with great fear and trembling the platform and the area of influence in honoring other churches and their vision. It's not one vision. God has multiple churches within the the universal church of the living God and has us operate differently and gives vision to different churches. So the church down the street is not the vision that we have. We have our own vision that God gave us, and we must be faithful, loyal, fruitful with that, and we will never impress our vision upon somebody else, nor would I ever receive somebody trying to impress their vision upon ours. And so it's a little bit of a tricky thing. And I began to pray about, how is it that we have over 2,000 people giving their hearts to Jesus? How, did that, how, did that, how does that happen? I said, well, there's a lot of, lot of reasons. I mean, I, I answered, the person said to me, the, the pastor texted me and said, you know, we've tried it, but we've not been able to make it work. And my response is, it's prayer, It's the Word. It's the power of the Spirit. It's it's a good, strong leader or leaders. And eventually, it all works together. You can't just decide, oh, we're just going to go win souls and think that you'll be able to. That's a wonderful desire, and we should all have that. But if you don't have the anointing and you don't have the prayer power and you don't have the backing, many times we think we can just go and, well, I'm just going to go fishing. I remember a story uh, in my life. I, I'm writing a book and uh, of the stories that are absolutely astounding in my life. How I stand here with a pulse I it's God's own miracle. It really is. How this church exists is God's own miracle. You just, some of you know some of the, the story about the property and the building and different things. Those are just current miracles. We've been at it for a while. God has come through over and over and over again. I'll tell you, there's one common denominator through it all, and I'm going to preach it to you. It's prayer. And if you lose that, see, because you can have a desire to go for souls, but if you don't take care of the prayer, you can have an Easter egg hunt and have 3,000 people and have little or no effect. You can use your gifts and your talents. You could sing. You could you could dance or drum or play the bass or whatever your gifts or talents might be. But you can all do it without an unction from God, without an ability from the Lord, without the favor of God on that. And the only way that comes is through an intimate walk with Jesus, through obeying the word. I mean, there's there's multiple things, but prayer. Yep. So as I was... I was honored that I that we were requested to help this church to reach the lost. But the truth is if you don't have a prayer movement in your church, you ain't gonna reach nothing. All right, I'm I'm going over here. I'm going over, brother Toby. Gotta have a prayer movement. Got it, gotta have prayer. Dance is wonderful, but without prayer it's not anointed. Right? When our brother put his hand, and all our musicians, I believe, are anointed in their own right. When our brother began to play the keys, I'm telling you from the first the first I heard that note, when you started playing it, it, the Lord touched me. So now how is that? Clear. Clearly, you're walking with Jesus. you got an anointing on your life. You're living right. I can feel it. I can see it. It's, it's, it's different than maybe just a gift to play the piano. So we're in one of the greatest opportunities for harvesting ever that we've ever had. What do we need to do to bring in souls? I'm writing the notes now. What do we need to do to bring in souls? And uh, yeah, it's work hard. Yep, it's volunteer. Yes, it's give. Yep, it's preach the gospel. Yep, it's have all the services we have. I I need a multiplication of workers because if... What continues to happen, we, we, we gotta open a Saturday night. I can't I'm just telling you, I can't I know that I can't open a Saturday night given the current volunteer base I have. Okay, I they'll all get smoked. Yep. <laughs> Amen. You hear their coughing over here. Jesus <laughs> We need more volunteers. Amen. We need people to serve, we need people to get involved. Amen. I was looking at the the, the counseling calendar—it's—it's it's full. You know, we don't counsel people that don't come to church. Did you know that? You know why? Because the answer many times is right in the service. And you could try to get all kinds of counseling, but if you'll come to a Holy Ghost service, your name could get called out. You could hear a word. You can answer an altar call. Get touched. Have hands laid on you. Everything will be different. We need more ushers. Isn't that right? Thank you, Pastor Vince. This Saturday, what time? Nine o'clock. All right, come Saturday. You interested in men? It's a men's ministry only. You're interested in being a part of that, um, you know, and you can represent well. You know what I mean. If you're smoking crack, don't come to the ushers thing. You know what I'm saying? You following me? If you're just getting over heroin, we are so glad. That's not going to be the first ministry you want to get in. There's transformations on Tuesday, and I ain't even joking. I'm serious. How many of you know that everybody to me in children's ministry? All five of you know that not everybody, six people, seven people now, eight, eight. How many of you have kids? You ought to raise your hand. Not everybody should be in children's ministry. Amen. We do FBI background checks. For real. We do FBI background checks. Okay. Just saying. All right. So, you know, if you're wearing ankle jewelry, you know, <laughs> praise the Lord and, and believe God. Live, live the Lord. He'll bless you no matter what you've come through. Hello. 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 But they're, you know, not every ministry is for everybody. So um, anyway, ushers Saturday, 9 o'clock. We have a security team. There's a security team right now all around the building. Hallelujah. We would, we would be broadcasting um, morning prayer over the, over the uh, Facebook and the World Wide Web. We would be broadcasting morning prayer, but we don't have somebody to run the camera. But we will. Come on, someone say we will. Maybe God's speaking to people right now. We could do all of those things and still be lacking. You could do it all and still be lacking. The main part of the equation is prayer. Say, it's prayer. It's prayer, prayer. all right. You can't read the Bible without realizing the emphasis placed on prayer. And in Exodus 17, I preached a message called Who's on the Hill? And uh, this is just a quick review of that. In Exodus 17, 8 through 16, you'll see the Amalekites come to pick off the weak that are behind. It's the story of Joshua and Moses. And Moses commanded Joshua to raise an army and go out and fight the Amalekites. And Joshua does that. Moses is accompanied by Aaron and Hur up on the mountain. And it's this beautiful picture of intercession. So you you need Joshua and his sword, but you need Moses and his rod. Two generations working together. The funny thing about evangelists is they, they have a tendency to get irritated because not everybody's evangelizing. Listen, not everybody's got the gift of the evangelist. I remember, I remember I verse really got on fire. I could not understand what the heck was wrong with all the lazy people in the church and how they couldn't evan- Why? What is wrong with them? Why won't they witness? Why God put an evangelism thing on me, and he didn't put it on them, I guess, or I'd run into an occasional person that had it like that. There, was an evangel- there is an evangelistic thing on me. I thought I was going to be an evangelist, but I'm so blessed. No offense, John. I was so blessed He called me to be a pastor. I remember talking to uh, Pastor Michael Gannon, who was going to quit being a pastor. Don't be offended. this is a test. Okay, he was going to quit being a pastor. He's going to be an evangelist. And so he goes in to talk to Dr. Morocco. I love this story. And he says, I'm going to quit being a pastor. I'm going to be an evangelist. And Dr. Morocco says, oh, come on. Anybody can be an evangelist. <laughs> being a pastor, staying in a region, seeing that thing break through year after year, generation after generation, building something that lasts. That is great. Of course, that's coming from a pastor. It's not biased. (laughs) Moses and Joshua, and that's what's happening here. Wally, you're, you're a Moses type, a young Moses. And we got these Joshuas that are rising. It's generations working together is really the New Testament application. And so a picture of prayer, it's a picture of authority. So Aaron and Hur accompanied him stood on the mountain. Look at three. Moses holding the rod of God would lift his hands and the Israelites would win, but it was lowered. The Amalekites would win. And what's amazing in this fourth point here is this quick thinking by Aaron and Hur. They immediately figured out, hey, when his hands are up, we're winning. When his hands get tired, we're losing. I mean, can you imagine, what was that like? You know, his hands are raised. And you see them surge. You see his hands go down and you see his, your friends getting killed. Ah, raise your hands. <laughs> they figured it out. And so they, they raised his hands. And it, the upraised hands with the rod of God, Moses' hands, it's a picture of authority of the believer when he prays. We have authority when we pray. I was, uh, I was talking with somebody last night who called, thank you, and uh, they were having a hard time sleeping. And they began to tell me, I said, well, what's going on? I have nightmares every night. I'm pressed down in my bed, and you're probably online. I hope you don't mind if I share. I won't give your name. but I'm pressed down in my bed. I'm choked out. I've got demons that come. I have these reoccurring dreams where I see these dark figures or I'm going up a stairway to get to the light, and I get there, and all of a sudden there's this dark figure and takes me down and, I'm paraphrasing what, what happens for this person, but tormented every night. I mean every night. Hasn't had a, sad, hasn't had a sound sleep in, in years. And I just said to her, I said to him, listen, here's the deal. I want to talk to you about this a little bit, and I'm going to pray for you. You're going to sleep tonight. You will sleep the best sleep of your life. I'm going to tell you, this is going to happen. God's going to touch you. This isn't going to happen anymore. You're going to sleep. And then I began to ask some questions to find out, Why that what listen? We are in a spiritual battle. Just because you want to reach the lost doesn't mean you will. You have to have a prayer meeting. You have to have corporate prayer and individual prayer. There has to be a culture of prayer. Prayer is the very fabric of what we do. Somebody said, How is it that you're building a building? I have no stinking idea. All we did is pray and ask and sacrifice and pray and obey and continue to pray and obey and pray some more and and then get to a place where it's totally impossible and then we fast and pray and we fast and pray and we fast and pray and God comes through and we preach the word and prophesy and just keep ourselves encouraged. We bind, we loose, we take authority. If you want to see the spiritual life of multiplication come forth in your family, you've got to pray. You have to have a lifestyle of praying. It will not happen any other way. Amen. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous, that says a whole bunch we're going to get there. Because a lot of people that pray, but they ain't righteous. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 All right. I'm almost going to pass it over to Toby, but he's coughing over there. Be healed. In Jesus' name. Got a vocal workout over the weekend. So appreciate you. Welcome back to Minister Micah. He's around here somewhere. Praise the Lord. So it shows the spiritual battle to be fought. It's not just a physical one. So, I mean, you can go out to try to do the God stuff, but if you don't have the God power to do it. It ain't happening. And that's why many, I'm not saying this is the case with this particular church, but it could be. And in my experience, it is mostly the case with most churches because they don't pray. You say, well, that, but that's not, my, that's not my responsibility. I'm glad we're stirring people, and I'm being stirred by others. Come on, we're supposed to stir one another up towards faith and good works, right? That's what we're supposed to do. God is our banner, and he'll fight for us if we pray. Another profound picture in Scripture is in the importance of prayer. takes place in Luke 22. Turn to Luke. Luke. Matthew, Mark. Luke 22, and I've preached from this many times. By the way, there is a whole library of resources and messages available for you uh, from our website, which is brand new. If you haven't been to the website, you want to go there. There's some new things taking place there. Got a brand new app, new look there, new website, new logo, rebranding of sorts. Luke 22, uh, find verse 31. The, I, I just preached on this recently, but I, it's a favorite passage of mine. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked to sift you and it may sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail, but when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. That's a heavy word. That's a heavy word. Simon Simon gives a key to why he was a candidate for sifting. His name was Peter, but his name prior to that was Simon. Jesus named him Peter. So, why does he say Simon, Simon? Because there was an aspect of Peter's fallen human nature, pride, I would tell you, that made him a candidate for being sifted. And so, when he says Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you Satan's asking because he's the most legalistic entity in the world. So, that's why I said the fervent prayer of the righteous. So, you could pray, but if you're not righteous, if you have issues in your life that make, make you a candidate for sifting, your prayers not going to be all that powerful. Jesus speaks to Peter and I love how he says Satan asked. I love how Satan has to ask. Is anybody else like that? It's like the first when when the first uh, invention of deviled ham is when Jesus was casting out the demoniac there and the devil, the demons, they ask legion ask send us into the pigs. He's like, ah uh, I don't care for pigs. Go ahead. They weren't into bacon in the first century. I just, I love my bacon every morning. Hallelujah, praise God. Come on. Don't God, God's blessed all things. The sheet came down for me, I see. All right, maybe you're not allowed to eat pork. I can eat it. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's blessed me. I'm, I'm a Gentile. I've been grafted in. If you're Jewish and you can't eat pork, then the Lord bless you. Amen. I can. I love bacon. Somebody say amen. All natural. Come on, somebody say yes and amen. There we go. Yes. What are we talking about? Satan's power is limited is the point. Satan's power, Satan's power is limited. He's not all powerful. Zora Austrianism is a religion. It's a belief system. Zora Austrianism. You can go Google it. I don't know how to spell it. I'm grateful I can spell my name. And when I can't, my wife's there to help me usually most nights, so I won't attempt to spelling my name tonight. But Zoroastrianism is a real thing. And Zoroastrianism is the belief that God and Satan are like in this wrestling match. And Satan is just as powerful as God, and they are wrestling back and forth. And sometimes God wins, and sometimes the devil wins. And that, how many of you know that's a bunch of horse pucky, pucky with a P? That's a bunch of horse pucky. That is road apples from hell right there. Come on, somebody, say hallelujah. How many of you know what a road apple, hell, that road apples right there? Amen. That's BS, belief system failure. Renew your mind, minister, minister. Renew your mind. Okay, belief system. Everybody say belief system. It's a wrong belief system. Where are we? I felt the error go out of the room for a second. Satan's power is limited. Don't ever forget it. I shouldn't have capitalized his name right there. I don't usually. It's proper English, but I don't like giving him credit. So if you want to change that, it's an error in your notes. So just put a small s. Satan's intent is to destroy, John 10 and 10. He comes to steal, kill, destroy. Prayer overcomes Satan's intent right in this scripture. I've prayed for your faith. What would happen if Jesus didn't pray for his faith? Do you know that there are Peters out there right now that the enemy is sifting? But because of prayerlessness, could it be that the Peters aren't being rescued because of prayerlessness? Is that possible? It's, it's clearly applicable and within the context to say that. It's prayer that allows us to accomplish God's will. Prayer allows us to accomplish God's will. Another incident in the life of Peter is found in, in Acts 12. I've preached on that before, even recently as well. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts 12 And you see that Herod is stretched out his hand to harass something from the church. He kills James, verse 2, the brother of John with the sword, because he saw that it pleased the Jews. He's a man pleaser. He proceeded further to seize Peter also. Peter's really the the chief main apostle leading the church at this time. Now it's during the days of unleavened bread. So it was when he arrested him, this is verse 4 of Acts 12, When he put him in prison, he delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, which I think is hysterical because, I mean, like, what are you nervous about? One fisherman. One fisherman, four squads of soldiers. I'm clearly nervous about something like, God, let me see. You took the leader of the church. Like four squads is even going to help. How many of you know when God's going to do something? You you can't do anything about it. He's going to do it intending to keep him before the people for the Passover. So he's going to get killed also. But Peter was kept in prison, The constant. Everybody say, but constant. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant. That's continuous prayer. Continuous, fervent prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So what was going on? Constant prayer. I mean, you begin to get the idea that there's an assassination attempt against the leader of the church, Peter. And I'll just tell you, there's an assassination attempt against every great leader, every great man of God, woman of God. There is an assassination attempt. You say, are you nervous about it? I am absolutely not nervous. I'm going to stay submitted. I'm going to stay under authority. I'm going to do my best to walk in humility and live in accountability. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to stay on my knees. I'm going to intercede. I'm going I'm to do everything I can. I'm going to live the word. When I blow it and say things like BS and it grieves me, I'm going to repent. I'm going to repent right now. Lord, forgive me. I may not be crass. I'm sorry. I'm not joking. I'm sorry. I got grieved by this. I'm so sorry. If I gr- if I grieved you, may it be an example of the fact that I am just like you. I know some of you are surprised by that. You live a life of humility. Do do your best to live in humility. Live in brokenness. Live in accountability. Live transparently. Don't hide things. The devil operates in darkness and he'll operate in, in the darkness that you have. So if you have something that you're hiding, it's going to be shouted from from the rooftop. It will be exposed. You're going to get busted. You will be busted. So you better just throw yourself onto the bus before it runs you over. So the church is united in prayer. And God sends an angel. Listen, the, the release of the angelic help comes because of prayer. Oh, God sends angels. Absolutely. You say, are they, are they here tonight? For certain. How do you know that? You can feel them, but, but more than feelings is the Word of God. We know what the Word of God says. And so whether you can feel it or not, we know what God's Word says. We know that he looks in on the things of the heirs of salvation. We are the heirs of salvation. How many of you know they looking in right now? Come on, everybody, say what's up. Amen. Listen, that's just biblical. That's a biblical thing. You don't have to have a swirl or a wheel within a wheel, or you know your you know your, your you know your left trap. <laughs> Get <a>, him. <laughs> your hand starts trembling. Although that can happen. Come on, hand. The hands of anointed people sometimes tremble. and But listen, that we know by the word. It's the word, the word, the word. Whatever manifestation you're experiencing, great. That could be discernment, but it's the word. We know because of the word, not because we can feel it. Can you feel it also? Yeah, I can. Look at your neighbor and say, whoa, there's angels here tonight. So an angel is sent to Peter, and it's hysterical to me. Four squads. Herod's nervous. So the angel shows up. Peter is sleeping, and I imagine him with a big old Alaskan-style beard. I'm talking big beard. And I don't see him as like a lean sort of scrawny guy. I see him like really murph, and, uh, you know, I think he ate a lot. I'm just, how I, it's how, I mean, I don't know. When we get to heaven, we'll see. But he's sleeping. Angel of the Lord stood by him. Light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and said, "Arise quickly." He had to wake him up. He struck him like, "Dude, bah, get up!" Uh, uh, I just like, he's gonna be killed. What's he? How could you sleep when you're about to be killed? Because he had a word from the Lord that he would grow old. He did. He had a word from the Lord. So I think there's drool coming down, little spittle. I think he's sleeping. Oh, yeah. And the angel comes in because the church is praying. And the angel's like, what? light shines around. He's still. And he has to wake him up. The light doesn't wake him up. The angel doesn't wake him up until he kicks him. And he sets him free. He would have been killed, but the church was in constant prayer, offered to God through Peter. How many people have slipped into oblivion because there's not been a people who've prayed? One of the things that's happening here that I'm beginning to to recognize is I've heard my own pastor say the same thing. Dr. Morocco will be with us on the 19th. He says the same thing. There's been a prayer meeting for 35 years, as he says, over there on the islands. I'm thinking, whoa, that's a long time. And I started thinking, dude, we've had a prayer meeting here. We have a constant prayer meeting here. Seven days a week for the past 13 years. Almost 13. And, and in actual fact, it was before that, but there was some inconsistencies, I think, at different times. But you could say for 20 years we've had a prayer meeting. Why? Because that's what we do. That is who we are. Prayer. You want to see multiplication, you want to see release of God's power, you're going to have to pray. And I'm convinced the reason Luke records this event, because it shows the power of united prayer. There's power. Is why I get up every morning and I pray. I'm so glad you do. So into that equation, put in that equation, corporate prayer too. I, I, I saw something on Facebook. It was everything I could do. I mentioned it already, but I'm going to mention it again, because you can tell it really bothered me. I'm going to mention it a second time now. Somebody came, and, and uh, I encouraged them to come to morning prayer, and they came to morning prayer, and then they put up a post. Well, morning prayer was good, but it's nothing like my individual time with Jesus. I'm like, well, no kidding. It's not supposed to be your individual time with Jesus. It's corporate prayer. It brings a hammer. I didn't tell you the rest of the testimony of this precious lady about authority and prayer. I prayed for the one that couldn't sleep that was that had tormented for years. She called me this morning laughing. And she said, hey, Pastor, it's me. I'm like, it's who? I did not even recognize who it was. It's me. You, you prayed for me last night. I'm like, oh, because she totally sounded different. Oh, she's a she. Anyway, praise God. She said, I slept through the whole night. I had the first night of sleep, and I can't remember how long. She said, I just want to go home and go to sleep again. <laughs> praise the Lord. Prayer. Everybody say prayer. All right, let's look at this text very quickly. Prayer is the emphasis of this passage. The main thing I want to look at, and I, I, I do love this healing part because call upon the elders. you got to have a church to call on the elder of the church. which is synonymous with pastor, by the way, James 5. But Elijah is mentioned as an example of a man whose prayers were powerful. I want to have a prayerful, powerful prayer life, and I do. But I know that there's another, another level. And I want to encourage you. You don't hear a lot of message on prayer around here. Not here necessarily, but I mean in Western Christianity. You don't hear a lot of it. And we're in a crucial moment in our building project. We're in a crucial moment with souls. And we cannot back off of prayer. Prayer will open the Netherlands. Prayer will open Europe. Prayer, will, up, prayer, 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 prayer. All the jelly donuts settles on prayer. And individual prayer, yes, but corporate prayer too. It's, it's like using a 90-pound a, a jackhammer as opposed to a painter's hammer. I've used the illustration before. Painter's hammer is like, God bless all the painters in the house, but I mean, what a sissified hammer. <laughs> Have you ever seen those cute little things? I mean, all they do is put lids back on paint cans. It's cute. It looks like a little toy. <laughs> framing hammer. 20 ounce framing hammer. That's nail gun. Huh? Elijah's mentioned as a man who had powerful prayer. And the key to Elijah's prayer, and you can, you can look at, at this in 1 Kings 18 and 19. The key to the Elijah's prayer power was in his relationship with God and the way that he prayed. His relationship with God and the way that he prayed, he was what? He was righteous. He was what? He was righteous. So, if you want to have a powerful prayer life, you've got to get that first righteousness. There's an imputed righteousness, and there's what I would call what we call an imparted righteousness. Imputed righteousness is Jesus was crucified for your sin and mine. We believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and in that moment of faith, we're translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. We're trans- Our sin is thrown as far as the east is from the west and we're made into new creatures, new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. And he comes to take up his abode. He comes to live on the inside of us. He made us righteous. He washed us. He cleansed us. So our sins be as crimson. He make them as white as snow. It's the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood. Nothing but the blood. It's the blood that makes you righteous. It makes you worthy. say, I don't feel worthy. Well adjust your feelings to the truth of God's Word. You're made worthy because He died and He rose again and you're new in Christ. So get your feelings to conform to what the Word says. Don't, don't, live, don't live by your feelings. Hard lifestyle. So we're made righteous by imputed righteousness. He gives us His righteousness. No, get this. His righteousness. He gives us His holiness. What do you mean? I mean you're made holy in that moment because you couldn't even come before him and talk to him if that wasn't the case. And clearly Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8 if you would meditate on the truth of Romans alone and justification by faith you wouldn't have to quote 1 John 1 and 9 and if we confess our sins to him he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because you'd walk in righteousness as a new creature in Christ. You You wouldn't you wouldn't be like a dog back to the vomit. So, Elijah's relationship, he was righteous. Guess what? We need to be righteous. By the blood, the imparted righteousness is once you realize what he's done for you, you start acting right. Bump your neighbor and say, Pastor's talking to you right now. He prayed earnestly and fervently. He prayed earnestly and fervently. Earnest and fervent. The two brothers of prayer. You have to have them. I I don't know what it is about the earnestly and fervently, but I will tell you that there is something that happens when you allow for your your guts to get involved. You know what I mean? Like like your, your innermost being to be moved with compassion for somebody who needs a miracle and not just pray like, well, Lord, you know their heart. God, I pray you touch them, amen. No, I mean it moves you. I, I, listen, I, I want to tell you how I learned to pray earnestly and fervently. And it wasn't in a, in a service. I saw it modeled. But then for me, it was situations that I went in in my life that were totally impossible. I mean, like, I, I mean, one of the main ones that sticks out to me is my daughter was going to die. She was born a little bit premature, her lungs filled with fluid, and she had heart failure. And the moronic people at that hospital, God bless, hospital workers and doctors, amen. They didn't catch it, I did. She's flatlining, and I'm screaming, hey! It was like the Flintstones Hospital. And I won't tell you that it was Maori Memorial, but I'm just saying And, and and it was upsetting, and they put they had to put me in a room, and they're trying to fix her and help her, and they they pulled me aside, and a couple nurses put me in a room and said Pat, they said Mr. Bracken, you need to calm down. I said I'll be calming down when you do your job. They said, well, we don't know if you can stay here. I said, if you do whatever you got to do, I'm telling you, I ain't going anywhere. You'll have to drag me off, call the cops, do whatever you want. I ain't going anywhere. Do your job. <laughs> I was one of those irate sort of fathers. It's my first child, you know. And during that, I won't tell you the whole story. It's it's profound. But something broke in me where I knew that God could do the miracle, I knew what his will was, and I wasn't going to be dissuaded. I wasn't just going to sit and rest on the sovereignty of the Lord and just hope that he comes through because I had learned enough in the word to know that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and God gave me my beautiful daughter to be an example of his grace and be mightily used in the end time harvest. He didn't give me my daughter for her to die. And so here she is dying. I'm like, um, these things don't match. So I realized this has got to be the devil. And so I began to pray and I broke in half. And we got a miracle and she's in college today doing amazing, she'll be home in a week. When I got the breakthrough of that miracle I fell out on the ground. And it wasn't the Holy Ghost, it was pure physical exhaustion. I wrung myself out like a washcloth and when the miracle came, I hit the floor. And I'm on the floor, I remember feeling the tile on the back of my bald head. And I was like, oh thank you God. God. Oh, and I look up and I'm looking at the doctor that delivered my, my daughter, the physician, and he says, Are you all right? I said, oh, I am now. Yeah, I'm all right. And he said, Well, come on. He pulled me up. He said, Looks like God helped you. I said, Yep, looks like He helped me. Fervent, fervent prayer. For once you know what God's will is, once you know what his word says, you get in that thing and you just punch the lights out of the opposition. You don't back off. You don't shut up. You yeah, you know, oh, I'm afraid of hurting someone's feelings. They already don't like you. Who cares? This is not a popularity contest of how many likers you can get. And the, Jesus likes you, wants to empower you, and in the end, you'll stand there before God and there won't be anybody there but the blood of Jesus covering you and he'll say, well, how'd you do? Well done, thou good and faithful servant, right? That's what you want to hear. Afraid to pray? I will cause a scene in public any opportunity I can if I need to. I'm not intimidated. What if you embarrass people? I embarrass my family regularly. I needed to break out in Kmart years ago. I had had gotten discouraged. I wasn't made the youth pastor of the church. Notice what happened. I was so discouraged. Pastor Steve got the job. And I thought I was supposed to be the guy. I was convinced that Dr. Morocco made a mistake, but then I knew better than than that. And I knew that God was in control, and yet they didn't choose me. And so I went into a low-grade depression, which began to get deeper as I came into agreement with how I just was lame at everything in my life, how I failed at this and how I failed at that and how I failed at this. Oh man, it just was like pounding on my head. And I'll never forget, the Lord came and basically visited me and said, have I called you to do this? Have I called it? No, no, no. He went through all the lists of all my failures and he said, what have I called you to do? And I knew what he called me to do. I said, you called me to preach your word. He said, then get preaching. Yeah. But they took my book That I was supposed to be to you. Get going. And I knew what I had to do. I had to preach. And make, and make the whole world your pulpit. So I said, but that's it. We were in Kmart later that day, that night. I was with my wife. You've all heard the story. If you've been around for any length of time, she's pushing the cart and it just came on me. There's all these people in here. I got to break out, man. I got to break. And she's like, what are you, what are you saying? I'm like, I'm going to break out. What do you mean? I said, I got to preach. I got to preach. She's like, she just took off. And I picked up that phone and it was holidays, and I sang some holiday song, and I preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and gave an altar call. I said the real reason of Christmas is Jesus. You must receive Him. He died on a. I mean, I preached my brains out, and got re Man, it was like fire. Came all around. Like, ah! I'm back. Fervent, righteous prayer. Live fervently for God. If you have passion that can't get you up in the morning, that is a weak passion indeed. Let God stir with you in the most holy emotions. As Paul said, be moved by people that are broken, people that are hurting, people that are destitute, and lift up a banner of prayer, a banner of victory. Be somebody that will stand in the gap. His eyes go to and fro looking for a man whose heart is steadfast towards him. I want to be that man. I want to be that church. Anybody else? I want to be somebody. Somebody that prays and sees the power of God manifested. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Woo! He prayed specifically. God, you know your plan. No, he prayed. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. (laughs) That was for you. Come on. what's up? and it rained. Well, the first time he prayed at the word of the Lord, you never want to miss that. You want to go and study, look at this text in First Kings 18. At the word of the Lord, the heavens were shut up. So he got a word from the Lord, he prayed it, and the heavens were shut up. Try it. Okay, and then three and a half years later, he gets a word from the Lord, and it's going to rain, so he prays it And guess what happens? It rains. So he prayed specifically, but he didn't just pray specifically; he prayed perseveringly. He prayed with perseverance. Listen, this is going to sting. I can I can feel it. Don't interpret God's lack of movement in your life because you're lazy. Hallelujah. So God hasn't moved, but where are you at? Have you, have you done the 21-day fast? Have you actually done that? So you, so yeah, I've done that, okay. Have you, have you just given hugely as God directed? Oh. So yeah, See, I've done that. Okay, have you done a 40-day fast? Have you tried that? No, you haven't. Most people haven't. Now listen, I don't want anybody dying and going into heaven early, so you make sure that you can do that kind of fasting. Turn your TV off. Put your Xbox 360 up. And, and, and develop a prayer life in your home. Have you, have you done that? Have you done everything you can, everything physically possible, In the grace of God, by the power of God, have you done everything you could do to see that miracle come about? And the answer is unequivocally united. If you're honest, no. And I have, I I can tell you that there's moments in my life where I I I fight spiritual laziness, and you've got to fight it. Come on, your flesh wants to dial it down to the, you know, well at least I came to morning prayer. Well, how how about fasting for 21 days? How about drink water for 21 days? Push yourself away. Put your fork down. Come on, smile at me, hallelujah. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to fire you up to tell you that God answers a fervent, righteous prayer, prevailing prayer. He answers prayer that doesn't quit. And I've had times when the 21-day thing didn't work. I've had times when, you know, I just couldn't seem to get the breakthrough. And so I just kept after it. And by the grace of God, he carried me through two different 40-day fasts. One, they were both liquid. The first one was liquid, but I would grind hamburgers and stuff. <laughs> and then I got kind of more serious towards the end and almost ate cat food. I almost lost my mind. Oh, that's a real story. Another story I'll tell you later. It's very traumatic. Still don't like cats. Amen. Lord bless you and your felines. <laughs> this church exists. Listen, the reason this church is here right now is because God empowered us to do a 40-day water fast and somehow we we're able to make it. And I will tell you, this church, this church should not exist. And if you know the history of it, which I will write at some point, you'll hear about how God, through a 40-day water fast, and a small group of people decided to fight. Don't don't just cause you haven't seen the breakthrough, don't attribute that to don't attribute that to that's not God's will then. Know what God's will in his word, then get in his word like a howitzer and mow down everything in its opposition. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. That is the equation. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. If he ain't gone yet, you ain't done resisting, you ain't done submitting, you ain't done doing your part. And when he then he will leave. He will leave. And some of those fights last for a while. But when he goes, you will move into glorious multiplication and breakthrough. Don't be weary and well doing in due time. You'll receive a harvest. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. Say it. Resist, submit to God. Resist the devil. He will Free. hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. No hit the road jacket don't you come back no more don't you come back no more don't you come back no more I don't know what the rest of but I love the rest of that song hallelujah I don't even know if the lyrics are good you know what I like about it it's got fire man it's got passion well Elijah believed God. Elijah, what? He believed. What you laughing at, Noel? <laughs> he believed God. And God answered his prayer. He believed and God answered his prayer. All right. God's speaking to us very simply. I'm just going to flow a little bit. Um, can you jump up do that heaven thing again? God has given us a tremendous power through prayer. Most people never under don't tap it, don't understand it. If you look at the life of Jesus, scholars say that he prayed six hours a day. I'm not sure how they came up with those calculations, but we see in Scripture clearly, while it was yet dark, Jesus went away to solitary places. He was constantly going away, constantly going to, I'm fully God, fully man, and he had a prayer life. The Apostle Paul, you look at the Apostle Paul, he said, join me in my struggle as I pray. Said, so I wanted to come to you in another section. I wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered me. Now, if Satan could hinder the Apostle Paul, I, it'd be safe to say that he could, he could hinder you. He could, he could hinder you. He, do you think he wants to hinder the church? Do you think he likes the fact that we've reached 2,000 people? And some Pharisee said, Well, where are the 2,000 people? Because he really led them to the Lord and they really got saved. They don't be up in church. The devil tries to steal the seed. The devil tries to steal the seed. Listen, we're to sow the seed. Duty is ours. Results belong to God. That's a famous quote from some famous... Is it... Is it Adams? John Adams' wife, maybe? It's a a founding father quote. Duty is ours. The results belong to God. It's our job to live right, to pray, earnestly pray, to give, to fast, to witness. It's our job. God is the one that brings the results. God is the one that brings his unction, his power. He's given us a tremendous power through prayer. In order to have a harvest of souls, we're going to get right and beat. Yes, we got to do all the things that we, that must be done. we got to serve. We need more workers. We need more camera people. We need... We need more life group leaders. Children's workers, youth workers. We need more ushers Saturday, 9 o'clock. Men, if you're able. Come Saturday, we need more leaders. The problem's not with the harvest. The problem's with leaders. Because most people don't want to get off their duff. I heard of that. I heard that before, Duff. King James and behind her parts. Most people don't want to be moved out of their routine. I'm telling you, God is on us to bring a great revival. It will not happen without prayer, and it will not happen without workers. I'm telling you, we need volunteers. And you say, well, that sounds like a pretty strong plea. Well, if you're not moved, I'm just telling you, God will give us volunteers from somewhere, and you'll miss out the the joy of serving the Lord. And the other thing, the other thing is, is that when you begin to serve the Lord and volunteer, it's it's an aspect of your discipleship. And if you don't learn to serve, then you won't really be discipled, not fully, not the way the Lord wants you to. Come on, you missed a great place to say amen. And something happens when you begin to get involved in the life of a church. You begin to serve. What happens is a corresponding unction from heaven comes on you, what we call an anointing. An enablement of God comes on you to do that task as an usher, maybe, or a greeter, or um, a life group leader, and there's a whole process. Get into Discover Track and find out what the process is. We'll help you. Everyone here can lead, everyone here can do something. Everyone can. Everyone. We should have so many volunteers, a revival would hit so hard that we'd have to have like five different sets, A, B, C, D, and E team, and then you rotate every week. So you're on the worship team? Yeah, 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 I'm on the worship team. I'm on the F team, so we only get on, you know, every eight weeks, but man, what an honor to be on that team. Everybody, somebody said, well, they have enough workers. Nonsense. This nonsense. We need more people in the cafe. We need more, 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 more and more and more. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would thrust forth labors into the harvest field. God is going to help us to do that. But it all comes out of prayer, an intensity of prayer. We must up the intensity of prayer. So, here's the call. From now to Pentecost Sunday, from now to Pentecost Sunday, which is June 9th, I challenge you to up your prayer, up your level of prayer, get get plugged in come, make some commitment to to prayer to corporate prayer god's intention for us his plan for us personally and for the church is to multiply come on i am blessed i will multiply god's intention for that is to take place but i'm just telling you it will not happen without fervent righteous prayer thank you for joining today's podcast if god is impacting your life through this ministry, You can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.